Good evening, church. You guys good? Let's pray before you take your seat. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. Tonight is about you, and we thank you for what you've done in the life of our church, in Camps Bay, in Marpos, and in Tableview. We thank you that we are part of an unstoppable kingdom, and that we will do whatever it takes to see heaven populated. So we thank you for tonight. We commit it in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give some Bluetooth high fives. One day, soon in Jesus' name, I'm going to go give physical high fives. Amen? Amen. That's what I want to hear. Do you guys have a good weekend? That's good. Cape Town showing off once again. Um, I've had a few people come to me and ask whether Andre and I are in a competition about wearing moon boots. And I just want to let you know that Andre has worn his twice. And I've worn mine seven times. And uh, I think I'm winning, clearly. And uh, not that I'm proud of that, because it sucks being in a moon boot. And uh, if you guys want to know what happened, I was playing soccer, which I was told not to play anymore. And on Monday, I fractured my ankle. And uh, it is what it is. I will clearly never learn from my past mistakes. But hopefully I learn from other mistakes. But I love football enough to play. And uh, anyway, God is good. And uh, I'm not really in pain, which is cool. But I think the reason I'm not really in pain is because I've hurt my ankle so many times that I have quite a high threshold when it comes to pain in my ankle. So I just push through now. I'm like, whatever, it's fine. Like, it's just a bit of a crack. We moved, swollen. Doesn't matter. But anyway, God is good. And we're here tonight. And uh, we're on week three of our Unstoppable series, our Unstoppable Kingdom series. And uh, it has been an incredible series. I love that we're speaking into God's kingdom because God's kingdom truly is unstoppable. And uh, we said it, I said it a few weeks ago at Camps Bay, how privileged are we to be part of a church, the global church, the church of Christ, that has been around for more than two thousand years. Can we, can we admit that that's a very big privilege, church? And uh, I don't know about you, but I've got no doubt that people, men and women, have tried to stop the church. Churches have been tried, or the, the global church has been uh, fought against. People have tried to close the doors of churches, but the church is still happening. We've recently had a virus try and stop church, but church is still going. And we're here tonight, and we're part of an unstoppable kingdom and an unstoppable movement of what God is doing. It's a privilege and it's an honor. Nothing can stop what God has started. God has started our church. He started His church so that people can populate heaven. Your friends and your family who aren't at church, their design and their purpose is not to populate hell. Amen? That's an incredible thought to think about because who would want to send their family member or friends to hell? None of us. So we have to do whatever it takes to see heaven populated with our friends, with our family, with people who we don't even know because everyone deserves to know about Jesus. So, let's get in tonight. By show of hands, who's ever been to a farm before? Okay, I wasn't going for a lot, but thank you. I was a bit worried that I might be a bit dry tonight, but people are laughing, so God is good. Okay, so we've all been, so I got distracted there. We've all been to a farm, okay. Who spends a few nights on a farm before? Yeah, okay, so pretty much everyone's experienced farm life, right? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I had the privilege of um, growing up essentially where I would go um, pretty much two of the four holidays, if not all the holidays in the year uh, growing up. My grandfather had a farm and then my uncle inherited the farm. It was just outside Mossel Bay and um, it's just next to a small town called Herbertsdale. Anyone heard of Herbertsdale? 
Thank you. That's cool. We got to chat. We got to have a coffee after the service. I like that. One per two people in the room know about Herbertsdale, so you know it's in the sticks. It's in the middle of nowhere. Herbertsdale um, has one shop. It's got like two police officers. There's a school. No high school though, so you got to send your kids somewhere else. A boarding school. That's what made them strong, apparently. And. Um, but there's like six or seven different farm shops to equip the farmers with everything that they need. It's very weird. Like farm products. Like you go to three different shops in Herbertsdale, you can get three different types of Wellington boots. You know, they like their boots in the farms. And I could never find my size, but uh, that's neither here nor there. And um, <laughs> it hurts. But uh, Herbertsdale is a very small town. I don't know why I'm staying on Herbertsdale, but I had the privilege of going to the farm. I loved the farm. I thought it was really cool. Um, the farm life is an interesting life, but it was just cool to see what happened on the farm. And a typical day at the farm would start at 4.30 in the morning. Now, 4.30 in Cape Town in the middle of winter is cold. Amen? 4.30 inland on a farm. That's a different level of cold. <laughs> you got to be seriously committed to what you're doing to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I take my hats off the farmers. They wake up early. Anyway, so you'd wake up at 4.30, whether it be summer or winter, it doesn't matter. And uh, so what we would do was we would go to the farming, the, the, the milking shed. So there's a milking shed and we would milk the cows in the morning. That's what we would do every morning when we were at the farm at 4.30, the cows would come and we'd get the milk and we would get full cream milk. Full cream milk is amazing. And, um, and then the truck would come and they would take all the milk that was produced that morning and they would drive away and then they would fill the sachets that we have milk with every Sunday. So I don't know if it is our milk, but it could be my uncle's milk. I'm just throwing it out there. I'll leave you with that thought. And um, then we would start our day and pretty much by 6 o'clock, 6.30, that would be finished. And then we had to prepare everything else for the day. So there were different seasons. There would be seasons where we would tend to the sheep and it's shearing season. So then the sheep would come and they would cut the wool off and they would sell the wool. And that's how the farmers used to make money. Then there was the dipping season. And we used to dip the sheep in this ointment that protected them from diseases and, and, and fleas and stuff. And it would kill pretty much anything that was on them. And it was there to protect the, the sheep, which is very cool. Then there were seasons where we would do stuff with the cows. I don't know what we used to do with the cows, but we used to do stuff with the cows. And then the farmers would have to buy the feed for the animals, and then we would go on the tractor, on the trailer, and we would take the feed to the field, and then we would put the feed on the field so the animals could eat so they didn't die. It was quite an you know, important thing to do on the farm. But farm life was cool. It was a cool life. I'm getting somewhere. Don't worry about it. There were, the farm life is always busy. It's always, there's always something to do. There's no weekend on the farm. You work on Saturday and Sunday. Sunday, half day, but you would still work. But there were two significant seasons on our family's farm where things would get really busy. And it was the season where my uncle and grandfather would sow the seeds in their crops. So they used to grow wheat on the farm and they used to grow corn, or as we know in South Africa, millies. Interesting word to say, millies. They would plow and sow seeds into the field. It's a big farm. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of preparation to buy the seed, to sort the seed out, to sow the seed, and to make sure it was the right time of the year before the rains came so that the seed would get the water it needed. Then that was the one busy season. The second busy season was the harvest season. 
It was the season where the seeds that we had sown, or that my uncle and grandfather had sown, grew and produced the harvest and produced the crop. When the crop and the harvest was ready, they would go in with the team, they were going with the tractors, and they would bring the harvest in, and they would sell what they've made, and we would celebrate because money came into the farm. But harvest season was a good season. I was letting you know it was a good season. The food became a little bit better because there was more money. But it was a good season because the harvest was ready. We learned, I learned from a young age from my grandfather and my uncle that if the seed wasn't sown, the harvest would never be there. If they never took the time to sow the seed into the ground, we would never celebrate the harvest. They would never celebrate the harvest. In fact, it would put them on the back foot. They would have to go another 12 months where they would have to wait for the next season to sow the seeds. And that is a principle, which is a kingdom principle that I wanna encourage us with tonight because we are part of an unstoppable kingdom where we have the privilege of investing into and sowing seeds into every single day. If we wanna see the harvest that God promises us, it takes us to sow the seeds. Every single day we have opportunities where we can sow some seeds, but the seeds that are not planted is the harvest that will never be brought in. It's a simple, but it's a powerful thought that I want to encourage us with. Because I don't know where you want breakthrough in your life, I don't know where you want breakthrough in your family's life or your work life, but the question I'm asking you is, are you sowing seeds? Are you sowing for breakthrough? Are you sowing for salvation? Are you sowing for what you're believing for so that we can celebrate the harvest? Sowing is a very intentional thing that we need to do. Sowing, it, Andre a few, a few months ago gave us just this analogy. There's no point to a farmer if all he does is dream about a harvest, buy the seeds, buy the equipment, spend money on the tractor, but sit on his stoop, because you call them a stoop on the farm. You guys know stoop? Oh, well, not a stoop. It's a, it's a veranda in Cape Town, but it's a stoop in Herbertsdale. It is what it is. There's no point to being a farmer is if you prepare all of this, and sit next to the seed and look out your field and go, I wonder when the harvest is coming. God's given us seed. Let's sow the seed so that we can celebrate the harvest. God's kingdom is unstoppable. We've got so much for us and not against us. Let's sow into his unstoppable kingdom. We're gonna read some scripture tonight, if that's okay. And it's found in Mark 4. And we're gonna look at verses one to eight. And this is what it says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it, on, sat in, out on the lake, while all the people along the shore on the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew and choked the plants that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and bear grain. Oh no, sorry, I've... <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, 60 and 100 times. Then we're gonna to skip to verses 26 to 32. 
He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Verse 30 says, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what shall, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed on earth. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. That's a significant scripture. It's an important scripture for you and I to remember. It's an important scripture for you and I to live by. If you study that scripture, you actually understand why Jesus mentioned those four soils. It wasn't there to discourage us and go, there's only gonna be 25% of the seed that you've sown that's gonna fall on fertile soil. That isn't why he's saying that. In fact, Jesus was teaching just outside Palestine and the, the Palestinian farmers were known to be farmers who were super courageous. What they would do was they would be unashamed where they would sow the seeds. They didn't only look for the fertile soil. They literally sowed seed wherever they could find ground. That's why he mentioned those four types of grounds because they were going, no matter what, we're gonna sow the seed. No matter what, we're gonna plant it. No matter what, we're gonna plow it. And the reason he brought up those four different grounds was because he was calling us to a sense of urgency. He was calling us to a sense of action. He was saying, Jesus was saying to us, no matter what, no matter what situation you're in, always sow seed. Always sow seed, always plant seed. You might not think it's the right time, but I'm telling you now, it's the right time to sow the seed. You might not think the soil is fertile, doesn't matter, Jesus takes care of the seed, just plant the seed. Jesus was calling us to a sense of urgency because the only way the kingdom of God was gonna grow is if we unashamedly sow the seed wherever we go. Sow the seed wherever you're at. Don't wait for the perfect time because you wait for the perfect time, you've missed out on so many opportunities to sow good kingdom seed. So that's the first thing we learn from that scripture is no matter where you are, no matter what you're feeling, no matter how good the soil looks, sow the seed. Because when we sow the seed, Jesus takes responsibility for it. Yes, it might not produce fruit, but we've been faithful and obedient in sowing the seed. But it might never fall in fertile soil because we keep waiting for the perfect moment. The perfect moment is now. The perfect moment is tonight when you message a family member, when you message a friend and go, hey, I care about you, I love you. That's the perfect moment. Not waiting for the perfect moment. The second thing, which we lead, which we see, um, is plant and let God do the rest. I've mentioned that, but we say it and we say it often because we believe it. We can get into a nervous breakdown if we feel like we have to take responsibility for the seeds that we sow. No, no, I've got to make it grow. I've got to look after it. I've got to tend to it or, or prune it or, or do those things. Can I just cut you some slack and take that weight off your shoulders tonight? All God is asking us to do is to sow the seed. When we go to sleep, we live our day like that scripture says, all of a sudden, mysteriously, the seed takes root. Then it grows. And before we know it, the harvest is ready. We don't do that. God does that. That's why Jesus is calling us to that sense of urgency. Just sow the seed, he will take care of it. 
But sow the seed. Are you sowing a seed into the kingdom of God? There's a sense of urgency because people are not destined for how they should be destined for heaven. Are we sowing the seed? Third lesson we learn from those scriptures, as insignificant as that seed might be, when it's a kingdom seed, it's destined for significance. The mustard seed is the smallest seed on earth. There should be no future for the smallest seed on earth. But when it's sowed, it grows to be the biggest garden plant where the birds are perched to find shade. I want to encourage you, when you sow seeds, it doesn't have to be this audacious act. It doesn't have to be the audacious seed. Sometimes a seed is as simple as smiling at someone when they come to church. I honestly thought that there was a storm now. I don't know if you guys heard that. In that moment, it was just like... Don't go for the extravagant. Sometimes the smallest act, the smallest service, is the only seed someone needs to fall on fertile soil and for God to do a work that only He can do. It's the small things. Don't overlook the small things. Don't overlook the small seeds. We could have totally overlooked the mustard seed and it would never have grown to its full potential which is greatness. Don't go for the extravagant. Go for what's in front of you. Always find opportunities to sow seed. Can I encourage us? There's kingdom principles. One of the kingdom principles is mercy. When you and I sow mercy in society, the mercy of God is reflected in society. People see the mercy of God when we sow mercy every single day. The principle of love when we sow love, a loving God is reflected in society. When we sow faith, a faithful God is reflected in society. The, the, the fruits of sowing faith is we celebrate a faithful God. The principle of authority, an authority of God is reflected in society. Who has the authority in your life? Is it God or is it man? When we sow the principle of power, the powerful God is reflected in society. But are we sowing into God's power? Are we believing that, that He has power to do miracles that only He can do? And I believe these principles are true, especially for our nation. A lot of, our, a lot of those principles our nation is missing. Love, mercy, authority, power. The last one is unity. Are we sowing into unity? Because we see God reign over our nation when as a church we sow in unity. You see, the problem is we are believing for and trusting for and, and, and standing for unity in our nation because there's a lot of disunity in our nation. There's a lot of fighting in our nation. But the only way we will see true unity is if the church sows into unity. If we want unity, let's sow unity amongst ourselves. We are kingdom culture. We're kingdom minded. We, we're living with the end in mind and we're going no matter what, no matter who it is, no matter where they're from, no matter how old they are, no matter what they look like, we are going to believe in them and we're going to sow something into their life. Let's sow unity so that we can reap unity, the harvest of unity, so that God is going to be in control of our nation because God is the answer. Not moving overseas, just throwing it out there. Moving overseas is not the answer. God is the answer. And the only way God will be the answer is if we sow God to be the answer. 
we reap what we sow. God wants to do an unstoppable movement in our nation. He wants to do an unstoppable movement in our church, in all of our locations. He wants to do an unstoppable work in your family, in your workplace, and in your life. But the only way we're gonna be part of the momentum of an unstoppable kingdom is if we sow into God's kingdom. So again, I'm asking you, what are you sowing into God's kingdom? Simple question, what are you sowing into God's kingdom? I love that Jesus gives us examples of how he would sow into people. And I wanna encourage you, we can again think there's this extravagant plan that we gotta sow into all these different things. But the best way to sow is with the individual God puts in your life. We can't change our nation by thinking we're gonna change 100,000 people at once. We change our nation with living with the one in mind, one at a time, the one family member, the one work colleague, the one friend, the one neighbor. We sow into their life, we sow into the individual's life. Because the more individuals that we sow into, we trusting for a multiplication of 30, 60, and 100. And that's what we're gonna see in this next portion of scripture. And I'm not gonna read the, the scripture because we're gonna take up too much time, but I'm gonna just give you a story of, I believe one of the most significant acts that we can celebrate as a church in reaching and believing and sowing and loving the individual. And it's the story when Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. It's an incredible story. The reason why it's incredible was because Jesus was a Jew and this woman was a Samaritan woman. And back in those days, they hated each other. They didn't talk to each other, there was, there was fighting, they, they, they separated themselves, they didn't believe in each other. It was just a very hostile environment to be in. But not only would it have been wrong for Jesus to speak to the Samaritan woman, but it would have been wrong because Jesus was a male and she was a female and she was by herself in the middle of the day at the well. That situation on paper, on principle in those days should never have happened. Jesus should never have spoken to the Samaritan woman, but guess what he did? Because he's kingdom minded, he's kingdom focused. He understood that he needed to sow something in that woman's life because she needed to experience eternity. So they started a conversation and the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, Jesus, why are you speaking to me? This should never happen. But Jesus said to her, if you really knew who I was, you would understand why I'm speaking to you. In fact, if you really knew who I was, you would understand that if you drink from the water in the well, you will thirst again. But if you drink from my water, you will never thirst again because you will know that you will receive everything from me. He invested some seeds, he sowed some seeds, he, he, he showed her love where, where, where no one loved her because she was on a fifth husband, which again was wrong in that time. No one showed her mercy, no one showed her grace, no one believed in her, no one would have given her the time of day to speak to her, but Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm gonna sow this time into your life. I'm gonna remind you that I am your Lord and Savior, that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Drink from this water, you will thirst again. Drink from me, you will never thirst again, and you will spend eternity in heaven one day. And because Jesus spoke to her, she has a revelation and goes, you are the promised one, you are the Messiah. And in that moment, her life was changed forever. In that moment, she never thirsted again. She never thirsted again, why? Because Jesus saw the individual, 
and said, I'm gonna sow some seeds into her life. But you know what is incredible about that piece of scripture is if you fast forward uh, into verse 42, report comes back that she went to her village. She told people of the experience that she had with Jesus and said, I experienced the love of Jesus for the first time. I believe that he is the Messiah. My life is changed forever. Do you know on the basis of her testimony, her whole village got saved. We speak about one seed multiplying to 30, 60, and 100. If Jesus never sowed that seed, I don't believe that village would have been saved. Do you understand the importance of finding the individual and believing and sowing that seed? Because again, the kingdom took hold of that seed. And look what happened. There was a multiplication. One person got saved because Jesus took the time to sow a seed in her life to sow love, to sow grace, to sow mercy, to sow eternity into her life. And that seed produced the multiplication of 30, 60, and 100 on the back end of her testimony of the experience that she had with Jesus. Church, I wanna encourage you, don't ever look over the individual because the individual is gonna be the reason why there's movement and momentum and revival in our church. If you can't look after one, why would Jesus give us the many? Let's sow some seed. Are you guys excited to sow some seed? I'm gonna put a pause, if that's okay. The God can form is under your seat. Can we pick this up quickly? I know we did it last week, but we're never gonna stop. It's under your seat. You see, we do a God can campaign every year, twice a year, maybe sometimes more, where we ask you as a church to write down the names of people who you are believing for to invite to come to church. It could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be your neighbor, it could be a work colleague. I don't know who it is, but I wanna encourage you that sow the seed and let Jesus take care of the rest. Maybe the seed you need to sow tonight is just to write their name on the card. So can we take 30 seconds and write down the name or names of the individuals that we wanna see come to church. We have an opportunity to invite those individuals to come to our Easter experience. We can have an incredible Easter experience. They might be the CEOs. Who's ever heard of the CEOs before? Christmas, Easter only. Well, now you do, the CEOs. Can we step up and look for the individuals and write their name on this card? Can you take 30 seconds writing them on the card quickly, church? Is that okay? And then we're gonna pray over these cards together tonight. And then at the end, I wanna encourage you to put them in the bucket as you walk out because we're gonna pray over these cards as a staff. We're gonna trust for these cards. We're gonna declare God's goodness over these cards. We're gonna pray for opportunity over these cards for you to invite your friends to come to church. In fact, you can invite them and you can book some tickets for your friends. We're gonna make it as easy as possible for you. But we believing in taking the first step in inviting your friends to come to church, in sowing that seed of invitation, in sowing that seed of love, in sowing that seed of mercy and in grace, and speaking life over them and encouraging them. So I'm gonna pray over these cards. Are we gonna declare God's goodness and breakthrough? Father, we lift up every single one of these cards. Lord, we thank you that you are gonna do a work in these individuals. Father, I pray that as we look for the opportunities to sow seed, that we will take those opportunities, that we will be faithful with those opportunities, 
And Father, I pray that when those seeds are sown, that we will give it to you so that you can take responsibility for it. Father, I pray that you soften hearts. I pray that you will lead them here. I pray that their yes won't be manipulated, but their yes will be yes, because I wanna come to church. Father, thank you that we are gonna see a revival in all our locations, because as a church, we're stepping out and investing and sowing seeds into the lives of the individuals that you brought around us. Father, I thank you for the testimonies that are gonna come from these cards as we commit this in Jesus' name, amen. Four quick lessons, four, I said three, but it's four. Four quick lessons that we can learn from Jesus from these two portions of Scripture. The first lesson that I wanna encourage you is to know who you are. You see, Jesus knew who he was. That's why he understood that he could sow some seeds into that lady's life. A farmer understands that he or she is a farmer. That's why they take the responsibility of sowing the seeds, because they're a farmer. Can I tell you that you are called for such a time as this? That you are perfectly and wonderfully made in the image of Christ? That God wants to use you to do an incredible work in His kingdom? The world might have said otherwise, but there's an incredible purpose over your life. The easiest way to know who you are is to always live with Jesus at the center of your life. When Jesus is at the center of your life, the only voice you're gonna listen to is Jesus because you're reading His word, you're reading His promise. You're making decisions with him at the center. John 4 verses 9 to 10 says, and this is Jesus with the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus knew who he was. That's why he went and sowed the seed into the woman. We have to know who we are. It says in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go up and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, my Father will give to you. 1 Peter 2, verse nine says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who caused you out in darkness into his wonderful light. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance to do. You are not a mistake. You're not on this earth by coincidence. You were made for such time as this. You are God's children. You're his son and you're his daughter. Never forget who you are. You're royalty and you are called to be a part of the work in the kingdom of God. Next, know your seed and remember its potential. Know your seed and remember its potential. You see, my grandfather and uncle had two different crops that they would plant. They had to know which seed to plant in the right fields. God has given us seed that we can plant into people's lives. We spoke about some seed earlier. It could be the seed of love. It could be the seed of invitation. It could be the seed of encouragement. It could be the seed of, 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 of mercy and of grace. It could be the seed, again, like I said earlier, of just smiling at someone and they go, wow, this is a very loving place. Never underestimate the power of a smile. And don't say you can't smile because you're wearing a mask. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. People can see your eyes. Your eyes tell a story, that's all I'm saying. Smile at people. It could be the seed of greeting someone. It could be the seed of buying someone a coffee. It could be the seed of buying someone lunch. But know your seed and understand its potential. If we neglected 
or never thought anything of significance of the mustard seed, that tree would never grow into the biggest in the garden. No matter how big the seed or how small the seed, use what God has given you so they can grow into something significant. John 4, verses 13 to 14. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life. Jesus knew that the seed he could sow into her life was eternity. So he sowed eternity into her life. Remember the seed God has given you and never forget to sow it. It could be the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, The tongue is the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. How are you using your tongue, your words, to sow seeds? What fruit is that going to produce? Prayer, it says in 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 6, I urge then first of all that all petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for the kings and all of those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. Are we sowing prayer? Prayer is powerful. Pray for your family members. Pray over the invitations. When you buy someone a coffee, pray over the coffee. Pray over that interaction. Prayer is powerful. That scripture says, pray for all people because God wants them to come to a knowledge of Him. All people, not some, all people. Are we sowing the seed of prayer? So again, I wanna ask you, what seed have you been sowing into the kingdom of God. Next is to know the field. Know the field you're sowing in. This is important. You see my grandfather and, and my uncle, they had different fields that they would plant the different crops in. One field wouldn't work for the one seed. So they had to be very strategic as to where they planted the seed. John 4, verses seven to nine says, when, a, when, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with the Samaritan woman. You see, what's important about that is if Jesus saw the, the field and said, You know what, I actually can't speak to that woman. He would never have sown into the field. But he saw the field as an opportunity. He saw that moment as an opportunity. He could have gone, I can't speak to her because I'm a Jew and she's a Samaritan. Everyone needs to come to the knowledge of Jesus. Understand the field that you're sowing into. This might seem like a very strange scripture, but let me explain it. Acts 16 verses one to five. Paul came to Derby, and they went to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Then the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because the Jews who lived in that area, for they knew that his father was a Greek. The reason Paul made sure that Timothy was circumcised is because he knew that Timothy was going into a certain field. 
if Timothy was uncircumcised, the Jews would never have taken him seriously. So he prepared Timothy for the work that he was gonna do with the Jews. Sometimes we have to change some things in how we approach different fields, but we never change sowing the seed. We never change sowing the seed. Sometimes we have to adjust to the field that we're sowing on. The way you approach a family member might be different to the way you approach a neighbor. The way you approach a friend might be different to the way you approach a stranger. But whatever approach you take when you see the field that's in front of you, always sow the kingdom of God seeds. Always sow seeds. Never neglect it because you might be discouraged by that field. No, no. There's a call to urgency. We sow on every single field that God puts in front of us. Lastly, know what needs to be adjusted. Know what needs to be adjusted. You're gonna laugh at me, but uh, Robin and I started watching Bootsuka Fro. Do you guys know that series? It's actually very funny to be fair. If you didn't watch it, watch it. But I realized that there was something that was changing in the life of farming. There was a farmer who owned two John Deere tractors and he's never driven those tractors before, but they've sowed seeds, they've plowed for him and they've brought in the harvest. What technology has done is you can have a satellite image of your field, you can map it out and then the satellite speaks to the tractor and it plows perfectly on that field and it drives by itself. If you said that 2000 years ago, the farmers would have laughed at you right? Farming has changed. The method of farming has changed, but the seed hasn't. The seed is still the same. Can I encourage you? Maybe you've been trusting and believing for someone or for something in your life, and you've been going at it at the same approach. Maybe you've got to take a step back and go, what can I adjust to try something else? But as you try something else, Never stop sowing the seed. Never give up. There's an incredible testimony of a family in our church, significant family in our church, who are very involved in ministry. And her father hates the church or hated the church. And for 40 years while this couple was in ministry, he questioned, why are you, why are you working for a church? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But they kept inviting him and they kept sowing the seed and they kept believing for him. And on his deathbed, they sowed one final seed and he gave his life to Jesus. On his deathbed, he made the best decision he's ever gonna make was to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Don't be discouraged by the weight because Jesus takes responsibility for the seed. He never overlooked the seed that they had been sowing for 40 years. It just took that one seed after 40 years to take root and for Jesus to do a work in that man's heart. And now he's spending eternity in heaven with Jesus. Don't give up. Keep sowing into the kingdom. God's kingdom is unstoppable. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what you're trusting for. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know who you're believing for. Never give up on those people. Keep sowing seeds. Don't get discouraged. The enemy is gonna do whatever it takes to stop you inviting them to church. And maybe, the minute you stop inviting them to church, they might never experience Jesus. They might never come into a relationship with them. I need you to think like that. Never give up. Keep sowing the seed. God takes responsibility. Can we close our eyes? Maybe you're sitting here tonight 
and you aren't in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and, and you've been living a life where you've been sowing the seed into the world, that you've been, been sowing into something which is temporary. You've been sowing into something which can bear fruit, but it's not the fruit that you need. It's, it's bringing in a harvest, but it's not a harvest that you celebrate. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, Jesus, I need to make the greatest decision I've ever made, and that is to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I wanna encourage you. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for you. The greatest seed Jesus ever sowed into his kingdom was giving his life as a sacrifice. And the harvest of that is what we celebrate today, and that's the church, and that's eternity. So if that's you tonight, and you know that you have to make the greatest decision, that you can't live like this anymore, on the count of three, I wanna ask you to put your hand up. One, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for you and me. Two, so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. Three, if that's you, do you wanna put your hand up? There's a hand in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else tonight where you know that you want to make the greatest decision? There's no. Don't miss this opportunity to come right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Church, can we pray together? Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. And from this day onwards, I want to live a life for you. I pray that you keep me, that you guide me, that you show me your ways. In Jesus' name, everyone said, come on, can we give Jesus some praise tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Well, church, we have come to an end of what I believe has been an incredible Sunday across all three of our locations. I wanna encourage you, let's have some coffee outside. We do have the best coffee in Cape Town. Everyone said amen. If you have joined us for the first time, we would love to connect with you after the service. You will see us there. We've got some coffees for you. Again, uh, please can you put the God can forms into the bucket as you leave. And I wanna encourage you, the first step in sowing a seed maybe now is inviting your friends to join us in Easter. Maybe it's just going, hey, I want you to come and join us. I've booked your seat. Sow that seed. Let's believe that they can experience Jesus for the first time. God bless you. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you next week Sunday. Amen.